Let's thank him. Let's give him praise. Let's give him honor that is due to his name. Let's say thank you, Jesus. This is uh, the weekend of Thanksgiving. We're about to start from tomorrow. Can we just thank God for his blessings, for his, you know, for his ultimate blessing, which is Jesus. Let's thank God for life. Let's thank God for what he has done for us, who he is to us, our God, our rock, our defender, our strength, our hope. So, Father, we thank you tonight. We appreciate you. We thank you that we know you as our personal Lord and Savior. We thank you for giving us life, giving us hope. Thank you for giving us a family, a house of God, a church family. Thank you for giving us your word. Bible says your word is quick and powerful. The word of God is life. The word of God is our, is our source of strength. Thank you is the anchor for our souls. So, Lord, we thank you for the power of your word. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from all their oppression. Thank you for your word that gives life. David said, your word is light, lamp unto my path, light unto my feet. Thank you because your word enlightens our part. Path, illuminates our heart, gives us hope, gives us comfort. Thank you, Lord. So tonight we ask for spirit of wisdom and revelation as we examine your word. We ask, Lord, open our heart, open our mind in the mighty name of Jesus. Help us to behold wondrous things out of your law. Let your word give us life. Bible says it is the spirit that gives life. The flesh profit nothing. The words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. May your word be spirit and life to us. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen. Good surprise. We have a decent amount of people building up here. I know traffic is not very nice out there. This is one of those evenings you want to stay home and, and watch online. Uh, but thank you all for coming out and uh, making this fun. It's always fun when we have people here, uh, you know, at least to really give some life uh, to Bible study. And thank you for those of you joining online. So just do me a favor if you're watching online. Even those of us who are here, if you can go to, uh, I think, the YouTube you can go on your phone, go to the YouTube page, and type. go to your YouTube, type Agape House of Worship. That should bring our live stream. And if you're already subscribed, that's, you, know, you actually will get a notice. And let's share it for the world to see. Uh, people are, you know, I mean, people are, some people are browsing now, browsing their Facebook and, uh, you know, and whatever. So if they can run across this, maybe they will learn one, one thing or the other, at least one or two things. Amen. Good evening. All right, so today we're going to do part seven of our uh, study of the epistles uh, of James. Uh, we're going to uh, do part seven. Part seven is about wisdom. Uh, we titled it Reacting with Wisdom. And uh, last week, 
you know, we actually look at the first, I believe the first 13 verses, or first 12 verses of James chapter 3. The first 12 verses dealt with uh, our tongue, right? Very, very powerful. Probably one of the most powerful passage about the use, uh, passages about the use of tongue in the Bible. Uh, how, what a powerful uh, uh, tool our tongue is. All right, you know, regardless of uh, or despite its smallness, the tongue is so small, yet it's powerful. It can set, and James said it can set, can set our life on fire. It's like a, it's like a light, right? A small cigarette lighter or any. Have you ever seen any of those California fires? Right, you've watched some of those California. They always happen in California for whatever reason. Uh, you know, it will be fire that will burn, you know, hundreds, thousands, sometimes hundreds of thousands of acres of land. But by the time they do the investigation, it started by something small, just, a, you know, something very little, and it will burn. And that is our tongue. Our tongue is so small compared to the rest of our body, but it can, it can destroy a whole church. A whole family have been destroyed by tongue, Right? Uh, it can destroy many things. Lives have been destroyed. So it says something about tongue. Tongue also determines the direction of our life. Uh, it talks about uh, a ship as huge as it is. It's being directed by a rudder, right? Very small device. Uh, and he's saying something powerful there that our tongue can really determine the direction of our life. Uh, no wonder the Bible says death and life. They are in the power of the tongue, right? Our, you know, our tongue really has the power to control, you know, what we say, the use of our tongue. So I think uh, tongue has done a lot of damage, uh, but tongue can do a lot of good also. We can actually speak things, especially those of us who are believers. Our ability to speak, to confess we confess the Lord Jesus to be saved. We can confess the word of the Lord. Uh, Joshua said, you know, the, the, this book of the law, you know, God told Joshua, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. All right? And he said, you will meditate day and night, uh, and you will observe to do, and he said, you will have good success. So our tongue is very, very powerful. In you know, in the, the use of our tongue is very powerful, and James really does a very good job. Today, we're going to now do from verse 13 through 18 of chapter 3. He switched a little bit and he began to talk about wisdom. And I think uh, I would like someone to read James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. I actually put it in New King James Version and New Living Translation. You know, I just want us to read those two. I think it gives us a little bit of a full picture. So I want someone to read the New King James Version. Uh, who is going to be our usher tonight? All right. Okay, we already have a fair our usher tonight. So, uh, so somebody, let's start from the top. Let's start from the front. What's your name? Huh? Turner. Okay. Can you... Uh, read James chapter 3, verses 1 to, I mean, three, 13 to 18, the New King James Version. 
And I think uh, Mariwa, you will do the new living translation part. It's on the, it's actually on your, it's on your desk. You can just read it out from there. It's very easy. Um, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but it's but is earthly, sensual, demonic, boast and lie against the truth. This oh, for where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil things are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Amen. So we're going to read the same passage from the New Living Translation. It's a little more explicit. Okay. <clears throat> if you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you're bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of, of, of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Amen. So, I mean, I don't know about you when you read this. Obviously, we know he's talking about wisdom here, right? And, and the way he's describing the uh, wisdom uh, is a little surprising to me. Uh, so I think that, that, that leads to my first question. What do attribute like good conduct, meekness, mercy, you know, ETC, mention all that, what do they have to do with wisdom of God? I mean, those are not, are those things we associate with wisdom naturally, right? Those are not necessarily things, when we say someone is wise, uh, we don't ne- you don't necessarily attribute some of these qualities, but it looks like James is telling us, the way you recognize God's wisdom is through some of these attributes. And he also says the way we recognize worldly wisdom or earthly wisdom is true attributes like envy, self-seeking, you know, confusion, and all the likes. So what do this have to do? I mean, can we just at least try to do a little bit of brainstorming? What's the connection between attributes like meekness, mercy, good conduct, have to do with wisdom of God? Anybody? Still talking about the fruit of the Spirit? Because mm-hmm. uh, if you're talking about fruit of the Spirit, that is love, joy, peace, forbearing, joy, mercy, basically you have to understand that. You have to go through the, the fruit of the Spirit to understand that God is a good God. Yeah, but that's great. Fruit of the Spirit are good. Uh, they demonstrate that we are believers. They demonstrate that we 
uh, you know, we are serious Christians. They demonstrate that we walk with God. They demonstrate that we are really submitted to God. We are not Christians in name only, right? But do they demonstrate wisdom? Have you, have you really connected that personally to wisdom? So why, why do you think James is connecting them to wisdom? All right, we have David wants to. We can barely hear people, all right? So can we help us uh, turn yes, this on? Yes, probably it's me, not them. Okay. So the wisdom of God for me, it's, um, I'll use the word, the pureness it said, and the, the whole meekness it said, it's just trying to portray love. Because I think the, the biggest commandment is we can love our neighbors. And in order for us to do that, as a Christian, that is wisdom. So he's saying the wisdom of God is pure in how you deal with your fellow man. Meek, so this gentle, these are attributes that help you as a godly person to say you are wise because you're trying to have love. Yeah. But you agree that most of us don't attribute those things to being wise, right? I mean, when we are looking about wisdom, when we're thinking about wisdom, maybe we look at people, the way they move, the way they, you know, the way they act, the way they make decisions, the way they talk the way they reason, uh, you, know, t- you know, that's kind of how we evaluate wisdom. We hardly evaluate wisdom from someone's character. Uh, but I think that's what James is trying to say, that really, uh, you know, uh, I mean, wisdom of God is reflected in our character. And when we lack godly character, it is probably because we are not we have not embraced the wisdom of God. I think what he's actually also saying is, you know, when someone demonstrates certain character, character are really a function of our reasoning. Right? Character is characters are decisions we make. Right? So, so for example, I choose to be meek. You know, there is, there is always a thinking behind that. Or I choose not to retaliate when someone does something to me. All right? A lot of times, I think James is trying to say, those things are actually a function of how we think. All right? Uh, if someone is exhibiting godly wisdom, there's a way they reason, they look at things. Uh, they begin to look at things differently. Um, because of that reasoning, that affects our choices. Did you get what I'm talking about now? So, and he's saying worldly people also reason <clears throat> certain way. Uh, so a worldly person, somebody that is not exhibiting godly, godly wisdom, obviously someone offends them. The, I mean, they, they think, you know, I have to pay, uh, this guy has to pay you back. Uh, because really, I mean, the world is not fair. This person did something to me. I have to figure out how to make sure they pay it back. And the person sometimes maybe begin to plot 
how to make sure the person pays for what you've done and they can go to any extent to do things. But someone that is really that whose thinking has been informed by God, who also obviously the someone offends them will figure, you know what? Um, maybe I don't really need to retaliate. Let me let God retaliate because, you know, God actually can do a better job retaliating more than me. I don't need to keep malice and bitterness because really I am hurting myself altogether. So both of these people are really, uh, they are exhibiting a way of thinking. And that way of thinking is really, you know, the wisdom that we are talking about. Hallelujah. Before I go back, let's actually move to what is wisdom then? Because I think that should bring us naturally now to, so what is really wisdom? Uh, I I have a comment. Um, I was just trying to decipher and kind of go back into James chapter 1. Because I feel James has a perspective on what wisdom really is. Mm. And as we see in 3 here, Mm. he talks about meekness, you know, kindness, characters that we see in the fruit of the spirit. Mm -hmm. But when you go back to James chapter 1, I believe... Um, verse 3 or so, or 4, I'm sorry, 5. James chapter 1, verse 5, it says, But if any of you needs wisdom, you should ask God for it. God is generous. He enjoys giving to all people, so God will give wisdom. But when you ask God, you must believe. So for me, I feel like James ties even faith to wisdom. So for me, in my perception of what, wisdom that James is talking about. I think there are two types of wisdom. One wisdom is a wisdom that is generated from God, knowledge of God, faith, you being close to God, knowing him, having a personal relationship with him that builds you into something that God wants you to be. And then the second type of faith, which I I believe was alluded to in the um, form that was given to us today is the worldly one, wherewith you gather knowledge, you study, you read, you do all this stuff. And out of it, from that knowledge that you've acquired, wisdom comes out of it, which can be misconstrued because sometimes the worldly wisdom and the spiritual wisdom cannot be put together. Example, you see a doctor. uh, Not go there. You see a doctor and, you know, you're talking about spiritual faith faith stuff. Like, Mm -hmm. no, God can do this. But then you weigh the option like, no, but I learned in school this, 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 you know. Mm -hmm. So it kind of conflict with each other, which I think James was also alluding to that it can definitely cause confusion. So to me, what is wisdom? Wisdom is something that is acquired via knowledge. And if we're talking about spiritual wisdom, we're talking about knowledge that is derived from the word of God. Yes. Yes. Clearly, you're very right. Wisdom is a function of knowledge. Uh, You know, in fact, most people would say wisdom is really the application of knowledge. That's wisdom. Uh, when we have knowledge, we know something, then we apply it, then it becomes wisdom. So wisdom is when we apply our knowledge. So I like the reference you made uh, in uh, to James chapter 1, which I think we should read. We should actually read in context uh, from verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. 
If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. So James is actually also connecting wisdom with our ability to persevere. You know, because when we go through stuff in life, he said, when we go through trials, you know, it causes us to think. You know, I mean, everything we go through in life forces us to really think. And, and when we are thinking, we are applying certain knowledge. All right, that is what thinking is. We are analyzing what we are going through, and we are applying knowledge. Uh, now, and obviously, that informs our wisdom. Now, if our knowledge is not from God, definitely it is impossible to have joy when you are having... The only way, he's saying the way someone will be able to have joy when they are facing trial is because they are applying the wisdom of God. I mean, you have to really think about it in a different way. That is not a natural way of thinking, right? That's the only way that you are going to be able to really be going through trial and you will be able to have joy. Now, what will make you to have that is because you know something that is different. And here he's saying, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, right? And you know that if perseverance has its work in you, you will become mature, you become complete. Eventually, this will lead to something good. I mean, that's a different way of thinking that is completely spiritual, that is completely, that, that has a different set of information, right? The information you are processing is different. I mean, to some other people, it will look crazy, you know, to some other people, it will be very, very crazy. But to someone that is applying the wisdom of God, it will affect how we react. That is what James is saying here. So what is wisdom or what is the wisdom of God? Let's, let's read First uh, Corinthians uh, chapter 1. I put two scriptures there. So I need someone to read First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 through 25. All right? And I need another person to read uh, Matthew 7, 24. So who is going to read First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 to 25? Anybody wants to read? Okay, I have an AM here. So I need someone to also open Matthew, Matthew chapter 7. We might have to read uh, maybe a little more here. Let me try to open. Um, so Matthew 7, 24. Is it Matthew? Am I, am I opening Matthew 7, 24. Okay, so 24 and 25. All right. So who is reading first Corinthians 1? Okay, Adam is reading. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher? philosopher of this age has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world for since in the wisdom of God the world through its wisdom did not know him God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom but we preach Christ crucified a stumbling block to Jews 
and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness, foolishness of God is wider, wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Wow. So what can we talk about? What do we, what, what do we learn from this passage about the wisdom of God? And how does this passage even define wisdom? Or does this define wisdom for us at all? Or at least give us a little clue about wisdom? So that's a, so that's a quiz. So I give you like a minute to read it and uh, to answer the question. And I'm going to be moving around and check your, check your answer. So anyone wants to... Let me see if all right, so Mayowa wants us something to say. first or second question, but it seems to define wisdom as being Christ, right? So Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. So the wisdom lies within Jesus Christ, kind of just the, the overall answer to it all. Mm-hmm. Um, and then throughout it, uh, the comparison between worldly wisdom as well as um, worldly foolishness and what we seek for, I think it's sort of, it, it honestly, it almost more so defines wisdom of the world than godly wisdom in the sense of it pointing out that um, the wisdom of the world is grounded and based in things that are tangible, mm-hmm. uh, things that you see, things that are easy to perceive and understand, which is why it's so much more foolish than the wisdom of God. Um, it says, the Jews demand signs and the Greeks look for wisdom. And because of that, Jesus Christ is um, is foolishness to the Greeks because they, their wisdom that they're looking for is something is is contrary to uh, the death and resurrection of Christ. Yeah. So it's trying to say at least something. One thing you learn here is the wisdom of God is not always discerned by the wisdom of man. Right. That is really a lot of this will be foolish if we really look at it from a human standpoint. I mean, that's why he's saying the message of the cross itself, I mean, it is really foolishness because it requires the wisdom of God to be able to really accept it, right? To accept the fact that someone dying on the cross is what saves us. That itself is weird. I mean, it doesn't necessarily show, that's not how you save someone, all right? So, so, so that is saying that that automatically tells us that the wisdom of God is different from the wisdom of man. And sometimes, they, a lot of times, they are opposite. What looks wise uh, when we are working with God will look foolish when people look at it. And, you know, obviously he also defines wisdom here as Jesus himself. Jesus is the revelation of God's wisdom. 
Jesus shows wisdom, the life of Jesus, how Jesus lives, what Jesus means to us, really is a pure demonstration of you know, God's wisdom. Can we read Matthew 7, 24 and 25? Who is reading that for us? Okay. We have... Uh, you're going to read the next one. <laughs> All right. Therefore, whoever hears this word, Therefore, wherever he hears this saying of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat it on the house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who... So that's fine. I think you, you know. So what does the... What, how does... Uh, Jesus is actually talking there. So how does Jesus define wisdom from Matthew 7, 24 and 25? Says, um, whatever we put planted on the rock is going to still be still. The, 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 the rain that is blue is going to come against it. Whatever we bring with it, with um, human wisdom is going to fall. It's going to falter because we believe our, we believe better God. If you believe in Jesus Christ, nothing shall move you. Nothing shall ever, nothing calamity shall come against a person. Amen. But what is that wisdom itself? Okay. Grace has my own opinion, when I think about it from the perspective of Matthew chapter 7, the wisdom that Jesus Christ is talking about here is the wisdom of making it to heaven. Because if you think about it... Of what? Making it to heaven. Making it to heaven. When you think about it, the wisdom of man says there's no God. The wisdom of man says, how can a God create this place? A wisdom of man says, why is there evil? Mm-hmm. The wisdom of man just questions and queries everything. Wisdom of God says, I have faith, I believe. Mm -hmm. And because I believe, I am building something for myself. At the end of the day, whether it's a lie, whether it's truth, I believe. And when the wind comes to blow it, with faith now, because without faith, obviously, there's no man that can please God. So with faith and with your belief, because the Bible, Jesus tells us that, blessed are those who believe and have not yet seen. Mm -hmm. So as Jesus Christ is saying here, the wind comes and blows, yet you still stand because of that faith. So at the end of the day, the wisdom of God says, I believe Jesus. At the end of the day, I'm building something for myself. If I stay within the characters of the wisdom that James is alluding to here, the fruits of the spirit, I'm building something for myself. I'm mm. loving my neighbors. I'm doing the things I'm supposed to be doing. I'm winning souls for Christ. Christ's crucifixion. Jesus Christ himself. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, that, that's how I see it. Yeah, but let's focus on Matthew 7, uh, 24 and 25. So, without being deep, deep, right, what is, what is he telling us? I think for me, just reading um, the scripture here, I think the wisdom of God is, his, or is the teachings of Christ. And he yeah. says, whoever follows my teaching is wise. So, a wise person, the wisdom of God is someone who follows his teaching. So, someone who is hearing? And doing. I think he uses those two, uh, hearing and doing. I think uh, somebody has something here too. So similar to what she said, when I read it, I hear it as being obedient to the word of God. So yeah. being obedient is one thing to, you know, hear it and acting on it. So you're following the word of God and being obedient to the word of God. Yeah. So is it anyone that hears and does 
I like him. Okay. Well, our brother has something to say too. So quick. Um, in addition to what they've said, I think this is relating to having faith in God and not in our own human capacity. Because um, when we have faith in God, that supersedes everything we can think of. Yeah. Yeah. So he's saying, look, this is simple. When you hear and do, right, you are wise. Anyone who hears these words of mine and put them in practice. Now, Jesus said all this after doing his Sermon on the Mount. Remember, Sermon on the Mount is Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Blessed are the meek, blessed are the pure in heart. You know, this is how you get all those things. Jesus said, if you hear this and you do them, you are really demonstrating wisdom. I mean, which is what James is really now trying to tell us. You know, if you connect it to what James is saying from chapter, uh, from chapter 3 that we read, who is wise and understanding among you? You know, show it by good conduct that his works are done in meekness and wisdom. All right? He says, show it to us. If someone is really hearing and doing, we're going to see it in their lives. And hearing, obviously, means we understand what we hear, right? We process. Because there's also, no, Jesus uses the word hearing and doing. Hearing and doing, there's a lot of middle steps there that, that Jesus assumes, I think, Right? That we'll figure out. All right? So, what makes us to convert hearing to doing? All right? Okay. Pastor B has something to say? Simply um, understanding, okay. meditating. That's where we talk, that's when we talk about, you know, you hear and you now meditate on the word. You think over on what okay. you heard. So what else must be the element? Uh, my brother there. In my opinion, I think it's believing in the word of God. Okay. So you hear, you believe. Uh, maybe you understand first. Or sometimes you actually believe before you understand. Sometimes believing actually leads to understanding. Uh, so hearing, believing, understanding... What, any other, okay, meditating. Is there any other thing? Alice, Alice we, men, we mentioned quite a bit. Is there any other thing between hearing and doing? Yes, uh, I think it's by praying to God and meditating on the word of God. Okay, so it's a praying. Sometimes hearing leads to praying, right? Because sometimes it's, it's not, what I'm trying to say that it's not as easy as I just hear and do. You see, I mean, sometimes it's not that easy to just hear the word and just go do them. Uh, in fact, it takes a lot of internalization. It takes a lot of meditation. It takes a lot of grace from God. In fact, it takes the help of the Holy Spirit, which is where prayer, you know, comes in. It takes a lot of, it takes understanding. It takes truly uh, being able to fully understand where God is coming from because a lot of time, God's words don't really make sense. Sometimes it takes a while for us to get to a place where, you know what, 
it makes sense to me now. That's why sometimes it's not the first day you hear, you know, maybe message about giving, that you just go ahead and give. I mean, it takes a while to be able to get into that place. It's not the first day you hear message about forgiveness, that you just all of a sudden just begin to forgive everybody, right? It takes a little bit of time, so there's a, there's a, there's a lag, or there's a gap between hearing and doing. So wisdom is hearing and doing. Wisdom is converting the word that we hear into action. And James is saying that is actually wisdom. The wisdom, it is really, you know, if we demonstrate wisdom, if we have the wisdom of God, it will show in how we conduct ourselves. It will also show in our attitude. Commitment is an attitude. And it will really reflect in how we live our life altogether. Hallelujah. Now, it's also now saying here, but if you, if you don't, you are obviously operating from a different set of wisdom, uh, which we're going to now go into. We have like 20-something minutes, maybe almost half an hour. It will finish. Uh, but we're going to move. But before we do that, let's back up a little bit and look at other scriptures. Because James is not the first person to talk about this subject of wisdom uh, as it relates to, you know, how we live. Uh, Apostle Paul actually also talked about some of this. Ephesians 5, which is, um, for, if you go back to the first page, I say other corroborating uh, scripture. Ephesians 5, 15 and 16 says, So be careful how you live. All right? Don't live like fools, but, live, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. So he's, he's saying, he's talking to believers here. He said, be careful how you live. Don't live as fools. And in this context, fools are people who don't use the wisdom of God, who really use the wisdom of the world, wisdom of flesh. You know, remember, he's the same person that talks about, Paul is the same person that wrote 1 Corinthians that we read, where he's talking about the wisdom of God is foolishness to men, right? You know, even the strength, something that is strong to God, if I know the weakness of God, rather, is stronger than human strength. So when we, when we embrace God's wisdom, naturally it might make us look foolish. Naturally it might make us look weak. But, you know, but really we are strong in Christ. That's why Jesus said, if you hear and do to the, to the world, it might look like you are not, you are weak. But Jesus said, you're actually building your life on a solid rock. You're building your life. Because he's saying he's like a man that is building his house, right, on a solid ground. And he said that person, eventually time will tell that they are wise because they have been building their life on the solid principles of God's word. They have been building their career. They have been building their marriage they have been building their life on the wisdom of God. And eventually, we're going to find out when life comes, when challenges of life come, people like that will be standing. They will be rock solid, you know. And other people will uh, ignore the word of God, right? They hear it, but they think, you know what? I'm not going to do that. <laughs> that makes me weak. That makes me really... I'm going to do my own, 
I said, time will tell. Those people, when life challenges come, they are not going to stand. You have something to say? Telling us, when it's saying be careful how, to, how you live, I also see that as um, making sure we are constantly hearing. You know, because the Bible tells us faith comes by hearing. Hearing the word of God. So even the hearing does not happen once. It's constantly we are hearing and we have to be saturated. Sometimes people say, oh, all I need to do is just, you know, one time, once, once, one day in a week in church, pray once a week. We constantly need to saturate our life in the word. So then it's like an osmosis over time. Your thinking will just filter through what God says. Amen. That's good. So let's read, our, let's read the next verse, which is Colossians 4, 5, and 6. Walk in wisdom towards those who are outside. So he's saying uh, people who are outside, people who are outside of faith. Redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Uh, so it is, it's, there's a connection between how God wants us to live. I think ultimately he's trying to say that our lives as believers should be seen as a demonstration or reflection of God's wisdom. I mean, our lives should be that. We should, you know, when we are reading the word of God, we are actually acquiring the wisdom of God. We are looking at God's way of thinking. Wisdom is really the way of thinking, right? We are really looking at God's way of thinking, even though a lot of times it might be totally different from what people are doing around us, what is acceptable around us, the latest fad, what everybody does, all right? Everybody says, you know what? Uh, You know, cohabiting together before marriage is like the new thing now. It's like what everybody does. It's not a big deal. It's actually smart. It's smart because you save money, uh, because you get to know each other before you marry. So really, you you actually get to test if this thing will work. And, uh, you know, and, uh, and if it doesn't work, then you don't marry. You see how smart you are? You know, that's so smart. So before you go and sign any dotted line, you know, you actually get to live with that person for a while and you see if it's going to work. If it's not going to work, then you, you know, humanly speaking, that seems like totally smart, totally wise. But godly speaking, right, it's not. It is foolishness. It is actually building not on a solid rock. You are not building on the word of God. You know, when it comes to your finances, how are you building? Are you building on godly principles or are you building on your own? All right? So it is important to understand that this is what James is trying to say, that wisdom is really our way of thinking, what is informing our action. If God's word and God's principles, they are informing our action, there are some fruit that we produce. If worldly principle is informing our action, it will also produce another uh, kind of lifestyle. All right. Now, let's, James now goes further to really begin to describe two kinds of wisdom or two sources of wisdom, you know, which is very important. 
And we see that where? We see that in verses, uh, uh, from verse 15, right? From verse 15, he said, this wisdom, because the wisdom, because he said, if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your heart, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom, don't deceive yourself. This wisdom does not descend from above. It's not from above. But it is earthly, it is sensual, and demonic. All right? For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are. You know? But he now contrasts. He now started from verse 17. But the wisdom that is from above. So he's saying two kinds of wisdom here, according to James, right? Two kinds of wisdom here. The wisdom that is from above and the wisdom that is not from above. That's what James says here. So, there are, so we can really define wisdom based on the source of the wisdom. Hallelujah. Okay. Now, there's a passage that is similar to this, which is 1 Corinthians 2, which we will read. Is there. I'm going to read it because of time. 1 Corinthians 2, 6 to 10. It says, however, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, number one, right? Nor of the rulers of this age, number two, who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. So Paul seems to be talking about how many kinds of wisdom here? How many? Three, right? What are they? The wisdom of this age, the wisdom of the rulers of this age, and the wisdom of God. So, you know, we're going to, what is the wisdom of this age? What, does, what do you think he's talking about, the wisdom of this age? Anybody wants to answer? Please raise your hand. Anyone? Wisdom of this age will means intellectual wisdom, whatever is current. Yeah, that is the wisdom of the world. Yes. This age, the whatever, whatever, whatever is reigning, right? The trending wisdom, right? That's what he means. Trending ideas. What is trending, right? So he, he, Paul is saying, I mean, so there is wisdom of this age. That's good. So who else wants to describe what is the wisdom of the rulers of this age? <laughs> That's what. That's the dark world. That's demonic wisdom. So, because there is this age, and what Paul is trying to say is sometimes what we come with the wisdom of this age is actually coming from it another level. They are controlled, you know, controlled by dark forces. You know, they are controlled by dark forces. I mean, you need to really understand that sometimes some of the things we call fashion or some of the things we just call rainy, some of the things that are just, there are some demonic 
things around us. Sometimes they are even trying to condition our mind to accept certain things that we never, that we would not have accepted. So there's a lot of that. So Paul is trying to say there is the wisdom. There's wisdom there. There's wisdom of the rulers of this age. All right. So Paul, this Paul kind of has three categories. Now James group the wisdom of this age and the wisdom of the rulers of this age together. I think he simply calls it wisdom that is not from above. So James kind of really, because if you look at how James described the wisdom that is not from above, how did he describe it in verse 15? He said, it is earthly, right? The wisdom that is not from above is what? Is earthly, is unspiritual, and is demonic. So, James kind of lumped that together, right? So James kind of simplified to say, you know what? The wisdom of this age, the wisdom of the rulers of these days, I will just join them together. I will just call them what? The wisdom that is not from above. And the wisdom that is from above, of course, we know is godly wisdom. Now, he now gives us characteristics of them, which we're going to kind of go through uh, to wrap up tonight. He gives us the characteristics of the wisdom that is not from above, which is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Apostle God calls this the wisdom of this world or of the rulers of this world, right? James gives us eight things that I can find out from there. Number one, he says it's unspiritual. The wisdom of this age, wisdom that is not from above. Number one is unspiritual. That is promote flesh. When someone, th- when something is, when a thought, when our thinking promote flesh, we know that we are operating from the wisdom that is not from above. I think it's, so James is actually helping us to simplify what wisdom are we operating from. And I think it's important to actually meditate on this. To say, what wisdom, you know, so what wisdom are we operating from? It is unspiritual. Number two, it says it is sensual. Sensual simply means it promotes gratification of senses of physical pleasure. You see, anytime we are operating from human wisdom, human wisdom really puts pleasure over what is right. You see, it is human wisdom that justifies sin. Right? Because sin is actually choosing temporary pleasure over the right thing. I mean, when someone is married and they go out of their marriage to go and sleep with another person, I mean, they actually think they really are putting temporary pleasure because that it is pleasurable for that moment, right? They do it because there's certain pleasure there and they completely forget what is going to cost them. It can cost so many things, cost you your family, cost you your everything. But so it is because people apply ungodly wisdom, wisdom that is not from above. And he also says, wisdom that is not from above is demonic. It attracts demonic activity. Anytime we are not operating from the wisdom of God, Anytime we embrace the worldly wisdom, we are actually agreeing with the devil. It's demonic. The enemy can actually seize that 
and destroy. Seize that and cause all kinds of stuff. You know, so it's very, very, very important to really understand that anytime we are not operating in the wisdom of God, we are operating in the wisdom that is not from above. And characteristics is, is it could be the number four, it promotes envy and bitterness. He actually says that, right? He says that in what verse? Verse 14. If you have bitter envy, all right, mention bitter envy. Wisdom that is not from above promotes envy and bitterness. You see, anytime you're thinking, you know, maybe you, maybe somebody, you know, your friend got a car, got a great job, has a boyfriend, girlfriend, and you begin to see that your thoughts begins to go towards envy and bitterness. You know that, you know what? I am not operating from God's wisdom. You see, God's wisdom does not support that. And that means this is not going to lead to anything good. All right? So I need to really disabuse my mind of that. I need to really deal with that. That's not how I'm supposed to be thinking. Because wisdom is really our our thought life. It's a function of our thinking. Our thinking is what determines our decision making, right? And our decision making is what determines the action that we take, all right? So anytime we're operating from earthly wisdom, you know, it it promotes envy. It also promotes self-seeking. The wisdom that is not from above promotes self-seeking. It is self-seeking. What is self-seeking? Selfish. Being selfish. What is self-seeking? Anybody else? Believing in yourself. Uh, believing in yourself can be borderline. I think we should all believe in ourselves. But I think to be self-seeking is a little more than that. To be too prideful of yourself that you think everyone is below you. Yeah, yeah, to be, to be, to be too prideful, think everybody is below you. To make yourself the center of attention. To live for yourself alone. To always seek limelight. To do things for yourself. You know, self-seeking people, they will do something good and they will post it on Facebook so the whole world can know that they've just given a homeless person money, right? They'll be giving a homeless person $20 and they will, they will snap it and they'll post it. So it's no longer about the person that they are helping, right? It's about them now. You know, that's self-seeking. They, even when they do something good, you know, what is behind it is not godly wisdom, right? It is really, it looks smart, you know, but it's still for them. So the wisdom that is not from above is self-seeking. The wisdom that is not from above brings confusion. You know, he say it brings confusion. Anytime your action, your thinking brings confusion, you know that you're operating, you know, not from, you know, the wisdom that comes from God. And he said he promotes every evil thing. 
When is that, I mean, the wisdom that is not from above pro, 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 promotes evil. All kinds of things that is not good. So he's saying that, you know, that is really how we recognize the wisdom that is not from above. Let's quickly now go to the wisdom from above. And he really, really began. We see that from verse, verse 13. He began to really tell us, you know, characteristics of wisdom that is from above. And from also from verse 17, we see those characteristics, their wisdom that is from above. And I think he, he gives us, number one, he said it's pure. The wisdom of God promotes purity. And that's how we test whether thought, even some of us, some, when ideas come to our mind, when thoughts come to our mind, you know, before we act on them, we should ask some of these questions, right? Is it pure? In fact, I think it's in Philippians that talks about what we should think about. Whatsoever is pure is the first one. Whatever is pure. So the wisdom of God, first of all, promotes purity. You know, so anytime we have idea, thoughts, and we begin to really dwell on them, before we let them stand, we should ask, does it promote purity? Number two, is peaceable. Does it promote peace? Is it some actions we want to take? It might even feel right, feel justified. But does it promote peace? Then we can say, you know what, this is not from God. You know, if I go to this place and say this, does it promote peace? He said, the wisdom of God is peaceable. I think it's powerful. So James is giving us how to really analyze what is what is going on inside of us and he said he's gentle it's not violent you know the wisdom of god will not promote violence will not lead us into brawl we not you know we not promote chaos and he says he's willing to yield right willing to yield that is he's even willing to say okay fine have you seen uh, when you are driving, you see the sign yield? I don't think people even understand that sign in New Jersey, right? Yield sign is the dumbest sign in, in, to people because people don't care about yield. People are coming from, you know, the ramp. They, you know, they just go as if they, 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 they own the road, right? Yield is like... Uh, you know, I don't know. It's like it doesn't exist in the world of uh, many drivers. But also in real life, yielding is a very, is a, is a function of godly wisdom. In fact, yielding can be a demonstration of whether we trust God or not. All right? Because people who are wise in the world... They don't yield. People who are operating in the wisdom that is not from above, oh, they don't yield. They want to take advantage. They want to be the one. They don't say, okay, have it first. No, they don't say that. They want to have it first. They always want to go for it. You know, that is the wisdom of this world. But the wisdom from God, say, no, that's fine. You can have it first. You know, I'll get my... You can. So, he said, we yield. Number five, full of mercy. It's so full of mercy. 
Number six, full of good fruits. Number seven, without partiality. Yeah, I think we dealt with subject of partiality in chapter two, right? That was a very hot topic. I remember that, right? And number eight, without hypocrisy. So James is really giving us a different way to really ask. But I think it's, it's really more for, because wisdom in this sense is what is driving our actions, right? And what drives our action? Our thoughts. And what drives our thoughts? The information that we feed into our mind, right? Drives our thoughts. And, we, and he's saying that he's giving us how we can analyze those so that we are actually demonstrating the wisdom of God. And when we demonstrate the wisdom of God, Jesus says we are actually building our life on a very solid foundation. You know, that the, uh, the, 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 the wind will blow and um, rain will come and all those things. And I think he's saying we will still be standing. Praise the name of Jesus. Let's get some of the comments from online. It's a little quiet online today. People are cooking for Thanksgiving. <laughs> All right, there's a lot of Thanksgiving cooking going on. All right. All right, somebody made a comment on, uh, okay, in definition of wisdom. Our favor says wisdom is knowledge known and applied. You are very correct. Thank you. That's awesome. Uh, Joseph said wisdom. Jesus is the wisdom of God to live right. Thank you. That's great. Uh, Sister Cheryl is, is just uh, cheering me on. Thank you. All right. Let's see if we have any comment from, oh, we have some comment from, Facebook, Jamie said, wisdom is the quality of having experience, knowledge, and good judgment. That is good. Uh, uh, Jumoke says, God is wisdom. Hearing his word and doing it. That is great. So we have some great comments from our audience online. Praise the name of Jesus. So any question, any comment before we close tonight? Thank you, PJ. Um, thank you, the, PJ. The mic is off. Yeah, this is just a very, um, again, as we know, this is a practical book that we've been discussing in this world, in the wisdom of this age that promotes self-love a lot, um, this teaching, I think, is something that it's given us a guidance, like something to evaluate and check with. Uh, the self-love is a, is a wisdom of this age. It's not of God, and it's so much in our face. It's so much in the way, you know, you hear it all the time, but... God says to really forget about yourself and take care of other people, so to say. So just wanted to add that. Yeah, I think you're right. That's been kind of promoting, promoted as something like, it's kind of like a fad that people do, but if you're kind of behind it, it's really not 
wisdom of God. He's saying to put ourselves first, to literally just worship yourself and to make yourself the center of your life. Uh, but, you know, scripturally, those that will not bring fulfillment. That kind of life does not bring fulfillment. It doesn't bring joy. It doesn't bring peace. Uh, and it hasn't, even in the world that we live today. So I think uh, it is clear that God, you know, wants us as believers to not just live for self. We live for God, not for self. Uh, living for God is really, and when we live for God, it kind of involves living for others. Uh, it involves serving others. It involves that. And, you know, our life is richer that way. It's more meaningful. Uh, it's powerful. It makes a difference. Uh, and I think that is, uh, and that is the difference between, you know, the wisdom of God and the wisdom of man. The wisdom of man says, acquire all or thing and spend it on yourself alone. The wisdom of God says, no, it's not just about yourself. Some of it should go to be a blessing to other people, right? It's not just about you. You know, then that's the wisdom of God. So wisdom of God is always different. And that's what James is telling us. All right. So, Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, we, uh, we've really spent some time to really look at your wisdom tonight. Uh, wisdom is hearing and doing and everything in between hearing and doing. So, Father, we ask that we will not just be hearers of the word tonight alone, but, Lord, we will be people who will meditate on it, who will believe in it, who will apply them and, you know, and practice them in our life so that we can be like that man building his life on a solid rock. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen, amen. Before we go, we're going to give our offering. Uh, all the means of giving uh, should be displayed on the screen uh, in front, all right? It's right there on the screen. Uh, so that should be very easy for you to do. Uh, if you already have an app, you don't necessarily need a lot of uh, just going to the app. Uh, the app is the easiest one, and if you don't have the app, you can actually download it from uh, uh, it's App Store, all right? Whether it's uh, Google or Android, whether it's Android or iPhone, you have iOS, you are fine. Uh, so let's do that. And uh, we have a few announcements, not a whole lot tonight. This Saturday at 7 a.m., the Women of Purpose will be having prayer, hour of power, uh, and using the church prayer line, all right, 7 a.m. Uh, so I'm sure you will probably get more information if you're a woman, all right? And next week, we will continue our Bible study uh, by God's grace. I believe next week we will be, it's right there on the, we will be doing submitting yourself to God. We will be going to chapter four. We've completed uh, chapter three today. So we'll go on chapter four next week, uh, submitting yourself to God. Uh, we'll definitely have another teacher who will take that on. But every part of this study is, is awesome. All right. 
happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. I hope you have somewhere to go. If you don't have somewhere to go, invite some people to your house, right? <laughs> and uh, make, all right? Uh, and make sure you enjoy your Thanksgiving, all right? And give, let's give thanks to God. So, Father, thank you tonight. Thank you for wonderful opportunity to worship together, to learn your principles, learn your word, and to, to give to you. We pray that uh, these offerings, uh, they are our own a demonstration of wisdom, that we trust you, that we don't trust in our strength and our ability, that we know that it is you that gives us power to get wealth. That is why we give. We give because we believe in the wisdom of God. And I pray that... Uh, uh, this money, even though they've left our hands, our accounts, they are not living our lives. Uh, according to your word, you will bless us in return, in multiple fold. I pray for your people as they go home tonight. Please go before us, you know, be with us, protect us as we celebrate Thanksgiving this weekend. I pray for those who will be traveling back and forth. I pray for divine protection. And I pray for people who will be hosting family, visiting family. I pray that we will have a wonderful time, uh, have a peaceful, restful time in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you because you've answered our prayer. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. God bless you.